This is Boom Goddess Radio, igniting inspiration in primetime women. We are Jennifer Davis Page, B.B. Peters, and Dr. Andrea Gould. The initial meetings of a potential love interest can be, it's not expected, it's not planned, it just happens. And if you're ready for it, if you've done your inner work and prepared your personal landscape, you can trust yourself to follow your instincts when you feel that resonance, that certain chemistry. You can allow yourself the pleasure of exploring more, and that's goosebumps for many of us. I've always been fascinated by women who make the switch from loving men to loving women, and not only in the emotional way, but in always, including the physical. How does that connection develop? How do you know that it's worth pursuing, that it's it for you? Dr. Andrea, what do you think? You know, it seems that particularly as women mature and reach a higher level of self-awareness and the confidence to express it, the switch becomes even more possible and practical, too. So how does it feel to make that switch? What is the process? Listen up, sisters, and you will learn firsthand from two of our guests that have experienced just this type of switch and are now mated for life. Our guests have been married had children, each woman has been divorced from marriages which had been somewhat satisfying, and in time, less so. Each woman has her story of departure from her old family system to the creation of a new one, complete with her own doubts, insecurities, intuition, authenticity, and faith. Let's listen to our conversation with these two powerful people. Welcome to Boom Goddess Radio, ladies. Thank you. Thank you very much. Excited to be here. We've been thinking about this topic, and it's been choosing us over and over. And we think we know it's so important for our listeners, women in our age group, at our stage of life, to be able to really see all the options for life and living and loving that are out there. And how long do you two know each other? 13 years. I moved to Tucson in 2003. Stephanie was the second Tucsonan that I met here. What brought you to Tucson, Eve, in the first place? I have always been drawn to the desert. I had two siblings who lived nearby Tucson. They lived in St. David. So it seemed like a logical place to come. And were you married at the time? I was divorced, had been divorced about 12 years at that time. I had one close call had an experience with a man that I thought was going to be my next and last relationship. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. That was the other impetus for me leaving Michigan. My children were away at college. Uh, My sons had decided that they were not going to complete their college education. They were going to go off and be rock stars. And so it seemed like a good time for me to make my departure as well. Right. You took every opportunity to slip through that window. You've got it. You've got it. And Stephanie, how long were you in Tucson? My husband and I moved to Tucson in the early 70s. He was a, started a pharmacy program, and I started a uh, master's program in counseling and guidance. Long story short, came back in 96 to the university as a professor of educational leadership. The politics of being a professor in a large research institution didn't resonate well with me. I wanted to work with my graduate students and 
help them do some research, get their dissertations going. I resigned in 99. Then I set up a small business doing program evaluation. I started to think about, hey, you know what? I have done a lot of things in my life. I think what I want to do now is to move forward and, and create a nonprofit organization. And so that happened. And in 2002, we received a federal grant focusing on women with disabilities. So in 2003, we needed to bring on board people who could help us get our organization designed and moving forward. A good friend of mine who was also starting the nonprofit said, well, she just found out that this woman had just come in from Michigan and was looking for a job. So on a Friday afternoon, Eve came to the interview. It was grueling. It was a grueling interview. I talked the whole time about the Aurora Foundation and what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. And this was the best thing ever that could happen. And she listened to all of this stuff that I was putting out to her and she was nodding and smiling and all of these beautiful, wonderful attributes that she has had and continues to have. So I hired her on the spot and um, she was desperate. (laughs) (laughs) When that interview concluded and she left and she was, she was on board, I felt like I was falling in love with her during that, those interactions of sharing and talking and her willingness to listen to me (laughs) and, you know, her delightfulness about what we were doing, what our mission was, and with the deliciousness of she'd do anything for to help this project and this organization move forward. I was head over heels in love with the idea of someone, Eve, of this person liking and loving, not just liking, but loving what we were about to do, meaning the organization. I want to say that critical moment when you're having conversation with somebody who you recognize has the capacity to get you fully, not only you, but your ideas and your thoughts and your worries and your anxieties and your needs and everything. Here was Eve, just by her presence, demonstrating the capacity, the possibility that you can can be gotten, that you could be loved and there was room because you're, what you're describing is you put out that you're a lot. Mm-hmm. And this woman sat across from you and nodded, yes, she, she understood what a lot meant. It was uh, the moment that, that I asked her if she would come on board with us We were just beginning, you know, it was a a delightful opportunity. At the same time, there was this sense of, oh my God, what are we about to do here in terms of the foundation? And Eve was just this totally accepting human being who helped me to understand it's all gonna work out fine, great. It's going to be great. And that's the way our relationship has unfolded all of these years now.
And I think that we as women uh, talk about this often where we meet someone and we say, I felt like I knew her forever. Yes. And it happens so much with women to women because of the depth of emotion and understanding. And as Andrea was saying, the capacity that we have in our life for that exchange. And I think you uh, bring that to the table so beautifully. I want to ask, when you talked about the interview and when you said that you knew that you were in love, did you know that you were in love with her because she was such a great candidate for what you were trying to do, or did your heart skip a beat when you saw her? The latter. Okay. Skip a beat. Absolutely. For you, Eve, what was happening? Well, I will share the rest of the story. So she hired me. I started it a week or so after. And maybe I'd been there a week. I was trying to learn. There were so many pieces to this because it was actually two businesses. Uh, I was trying to learn her business as well as the foundation and all of the newness of the foundation, all the things that were in place. There were lots of pieces. And so I was trying to figure it all out. And everyone had left the office and Stephanie went into the kitchen and poured herself a glass of wine and offered me wine and I don't drink it. No, thank you. And she came a little closer and... All of a sudden, I, I had the sense that there was some other agenda rather than, instead of just business, I had the sense that there was an, uh, another agenda. And it wasn't very long, uh, a couple of weeks before um, we had a conversation about that. And she was telling me her feelings, and I was a little anxious about that. I wasn't sure I was ready to have a relationship at all especially with a woman, because I love being with my women friends. But it had never, it hadn't been in the forefront of my mind that I would ever have a relationship with a woman, a love affair with a woman. Stephanie, had you ever been attracted to another woman before, or was it just the feeling that you got when you and Eve were in that same room together? I've never been attracted to another woman prior to meeting Eve, ever. Ever. How far apart in years are you and Eve? Five. And so you were both in your 50s at the time? Let's see, 13 years ago. Yeah. I just turned 65. So you were 52. I was around 57, roughly. The stage of life, you know, here we are in our early mid-50s, and it's obviously really a big turning point for you, because whereas many women live as lesbians, either out or not out, or one stage or another, neither of you had chosen that option. But even more important, neither of you were really even aware of that possibility for yourselves. Here you are, newly in a place and open and looking and seeking. And here's this woman with all kinds of places that, where you can fit so nicely. Mm -hmm. what, what a rush. <laughs> you know, what a, what a high. Yes. It was indeed. It was an exciting time. You know, I left higher ed and um, started doing program evaluation, which I loved to do. That was part of my graduate program. I felt so free. I wasn't beholden to anybody except to those people that worked with me. And then as our organization grew and we had lots of women with disabilities come on board, the programming that we created, it was a, a, a lightning experience, just lots of energy going on. 
and new ideas coming through. And we were all part of it. You know, there was not one person who said, this is what we're going to do and this is what. This was a collective engaging process. And he was right there with all of us. It was a time in my life, and I think in your life too, where all of the opportunities that we thought we could have, damn it, we can have the opportunities. I divorced my husband in 2005. I told my husband that I wanted a divorce. I moved out of our home and went through mediation for about six months, a year, roughly. And then the mediation completed and we went through the divorce process and it was all done then. So by 2006, late 2005, 2006, then I bought a home, the home that we're living in now. I shared all of this with my daughters. I have two daughters. Separately, I talked to them on the phone. I told them that, I, you know, I was divorcing their father and that I was lesbian. I had this conversation with my oldest daughter and her husband on the phone, told her, I said, I'm lesbian. And she said, she started to say, you know, mom, I kind of thought, and then her husband kicked in and he stopped it right there. He wasn't, I don't know what his motivation was, but my sense was afterwards that he didn't want that term lesbian to be out there as part of the family culture, if you will. So my youngest daughter, she knew Eve very well. They had lots of conversations on the phone. Both my daughters, they loved being with her. It was the best possible outcome I could have had. Best case scenario, because you know, we were, we were talking before our interview with you about the wins and the losses. Mm -hmm. And for many women, you know, they're in the midst of, you know, you describe mediation. We already get the clue that, you know, not everybody chooses mediation, some fight to the bloody end, mm -hmm. war of the roses. But it certainly sounds like overall it was a real fit. Mm -hmm. We've been talking, too, about life stage and how when we feel authentically who we are, that that opens us up. We don't worry so much what other people, how other people are going to judge us. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask about the loss and the wins. If you were to think back in the relationships that you had with men, can you speak a little bit to, to how you felt in the relationship that you began to develop and have, whether about the depth of it or the closeness of it? How would you describe the differences? Right, the limits. Were there the limits, limits yes. in terms of really being known, really being gotten? Did you chafe at those limits? Yes, there were limits, and yes, I did chafe. Although, I was thinking about this this morning. Had I stayed in Michigan, whether even having divorced, had I stayed in Michigan, I probably would have been married two or three times because of that. As I mentioned, the near close call that I had, he was the closest, the closest male person who did seem to get me, who did seem to value what I brought to the table without wanting to change anything, without wanting to help me become something that he wanted rather than who I was. That's commendable. Yeah, it was. It truly was. I, I, for whatever those reasons were, he let that relationship 
go. And, and I'm grateful. I have since been in communication with him a couple of times over the last 10 years. And there is still that, that something. I will share this, this other piece with you. I have said to Stephanie, in fact, I said this to her several times in our early years, you, you behave a lot like my ex-husband. And she did in some ways. And that was also what brought me near her. I was familiar with that. The difference was that I could say, wait a minute, I heard what you just said, and this is what it feels like. Did you mean that? Whereas I could not have done that in any of the male relationships that I had. But why? Can you tell me why you feel that way? Because I was raised in a family where my mother was very strong. My parents were immigrants. My mother was a very strong woman, but dad had the last word always. She had a way of making him do what she wanted. And so that's the, and then I was married at 19 and had twin babies at 23. So, you know, our lives were, were pretty well outlined for us. We were just following in our parents' paths. And yes, there were some differences. He was, he was wonderful with the children. He was very hands-on. But there was nothing between us that was of depth. And as I began to grow, as I turned 27, 29, 30, we were in the height of the women's movement. I wanted something deeper in our relationship, and he could not give it. He had no idea. He didn't understand the language I was using. And we tried therapy many times, and he just couldn't hear me. And there was Stephanie, and she was, oh my gosh, I'd attempt to speak an idea, and I'm not very articulate. And so she would encourage me. She'd ask the next question, and she'd say, what do you mean by that? And tell me more about that. Gosh, I did not fall in love with somebody who is so open and willing to hear who you are and wants to be with that person. (laughs) Not who the person they think you are or the person they want you to be, but the person you really are. We're getting tears in our eyes also. That's so critical. What you're saying is, you know, it's just so emotional to all of us. It's what we know to be the bottom line. Because this is not necessarily only about women loving women. This is about love. What's the trigger for any of us to fall in love? And there's like theoreticians who will talk about something called the Imago. And you mentioned it. It's like there's a sense of familiarity. I was married at uh, 22. And uh, the person I married, I knew in high school. So the expectation at that time was that the woman, the girl, woman, goes to college, completes, gets married, then they have babies. Okay. So we were a little different. As I mentioned before, we moved away from both our families all the way to Tucson, Arizona here. The expectation was that I would be that person who takes care of him. So for all of those 30 some years, I was the person who took care of him. That came a period of time where I was done with that, especially when our girls graduated from high school and went on to college. I was done with that, except I didn't really know I was done with that. That's a critical point in general, okay? So that there's this gnawing awareness, this growing awareness, but it's in It's chaotic, it's unformed. Here are these feelings 
that are are formless and and yet we feel it as some kind of internal pressure but we can't say yet that it's risen to the level that we can actually articulate it did you ever have a conversation with Stuart did he ever say to you why didn't you just leave me for a man would he have felt better if you had left him for a man than leaving him for a woman I think it would have been easier for him to understand that Okay. if I had connected to a man and then married that person. I think he could have gotten it, but um, he he didn't get a lot of stuff. <laughs> he didn't that was yet another layer that you were adding to the whole equation, a whole other term to the equation, which was beyond his capacity. So that's another beautiful piece of the story, that you had all this unmet need. And then Eve walks, literally walks into your life. And wow, you know, what a signal that is. In the moment of an afternoon on a Friday, the end of the work week, in a moment after our conversation, I knew that this was the relationship I wanted to have forever. We love that. Amazing, amazing. And you were able to get married, yes. Yes, yes. 2014. December 23rd, 2014. Pima Superior Court. This is when the Ninth Circuit said, hey, everybody, everybody can be married now. Is there anything you would want our listeners to know if they find themselves in kind of a, a deadened space in their marriage? And they might be in their 50s, they might be in their 60s or, or greater. And they struggle with, you know, well, would a man find me attractive anymore? How, how would you, is there anything you want to say to the women out there who may be struggling with that deadness and seeking vitality and wanting to be in touch with their truths? We deserve that whether we're in relationship or not. You know, finding, determining who we are. The circumstance in my first marriage was in hindsight, I've said many times, if we had met 10 or 12 years later, if we had been older, if we had been in the world on our own, or even in other relationships and come together, we might have figured out how to make it work. But I had a lot of work to do, and so has he. Right? It seems to me that doing the work of knowing yourself is the primary part of any relationship. I, I don't think I was a very good partner in the beginning to Stephanie, but she allowed me and brought me to be who I am, allowed me to bring forward the good, bad, and the ugly. I think that you're bringing up another beautiful point, and that's that relationship can be a nurturing of our own growth. Yes. And to be with someone who allows for that growth, just like Stephanie observed that you had the capacity to hold her full reality, professionally, personally, emotionally, the same way in reverse, that, that Stephanie had the capacity to make room for you to grow, you know, to create a big enough space and a loving enough space around you. How could the organism, the plant that you are, not love to be given that space and that validation and affirmation and security to grow. I mean, that's that's the combination that brings forth that really deep feeling of love. Yes, and it appears that the ground you have 
cultivated a garden of creativity for both your personal and your professional lifestyles and that continues to build you too as people and as individuals just the intense beauty of all of this it's been said by the greatest philosophers and psychologists that true love is to be able to love a person in their full growth and to make room for that full growth you know even deal with one's own ambivalence about it if one partner wants to do something that the other one would really prefer they didn't do. No, it's for their own good of their own growth. If you've got a, a foundation of, of mutual respect that way, that's about as good as it gets. <laughs> I agree. My life is exquisite when I live my life of love without fear. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.